Never ran on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hi, Mom. What do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I. By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? For us, to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time. On the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. Hey everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rokraut. And today we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Scorsese classic, Goodfellas. One of his best. It was actually released on September 20th, 1990. So I'm excited to talk about this one today. I am too. I don't know how we're going to squeeze it into an hour. I think it's a little (laughs) ambitious, but we will do our best. Where does this sit in like your top movies ever? Top movies ever. So not just mob movies or not just Scorsese. Right. Like everything. It is in my top hundred. It's definitely in my, I would say, top 50 most rewatched. What about you? I'm pretty sure it's in my top 50. It was really great rewatching this. It's been a while for me. In terms of mob movies, where does it fall for you? One of my favorite categories ever. So really quick note for our listeners. Nick and I actually took a class in college together called Mafia Movies. I was going to mention this too. I was... Trying to find out where to put this. (laughs) (laughs) I just dropped it in now. It was just as exciting as it sounds. I would say that this is definitely, I would say number three. Godfather Part 2 is my favorite of all time in the mob movie genre. And then I would say The Godfather would be next. There are things that I really love about Goodfellas. I think it is an incredible document of what the mafia movie can be. But I prefer the... 70s glamour of Coppola's Godfather. I like the Michael Corleone character. I love the the dark beauty of Al Pacino. I love how The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 are these epic pieces that really set up what is to come with everything in the mob genre. Goodfellas, The Sopranos, the Scarface remake. I need to do a Part 2 rewatch for Godfather. I always put The Godfather on my favorites. I mean, that's in my top five of all time. And it really does have this glamour, this feel to it that is almost romanticizing the mafia. And I like how Goodfellas departs from that just a little bit. I mean, you totally see The Godfather in it, but you get this firsthand account from both of the hills, Henry and Karen. And they give you a look into the mafia and how it works. And we get this through so many other pieces too. The Sopranos is my favorite TV show of all time. And a lot of Scorsese's films also deal with the mafia. It's funny, he once noted that he thanked his asthma as a kid for not getting sucked into this mafia world. But I would say Goodfellas is up there, probably second behind The Godfather. It just has to be. And you touched on this a little bit, but I think what Goodfellas does differently than The Godfather, I think that both of them do romanticize the mob, for sure. I think that that is a trademark, actually, of American filmmaking when dealing with the subject. And Italian filmmakers view the mafia very differently. But I think that one thing that I love about Goodfellas and how Scorsese shows us the lower level members of the mafia so the godfather is much more Mm -hmm. about the bosses and the consigliere and all of the higher ups this one really i think what works is that it's almost like a documentary and how he films it focusing in on these little details like how polly slices garlic with a razor and he makes you understand 
how the mafia could seduce the average person into joining and into wanting that kind of life. And while The Godfather opens with, I believe in America, and The Sopranos closes with that idea, I think that what Goodfellas does, maybe better than both of them, is show the complete collapse and false idea of what the American dream is. It relies on these ideals and... Henry totally betrays all of them in this movie. And that's how we get this account of the Hills and, you know, the whole family that it's involved with. But before I go further into it, let's back up. I'll give you a quick overview of the movie. So Goodfellas is the true story of Henry Hill and his life in the mob, covering his relationship with his wife, Karen Hill, and his mob partners, Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito in the Italian-American crime syndicate. Stars Ray Liotta as Henry Hill, Joe Pesci as Tommy DeVito, Robert De Niro as Jimmy Conway, Lorraine Bracco as Karen Hill, Henry's wife, and Paul Sorvino as Polly. An iconic cast. We will talk more about casting later in the episode. But first, when you watch this, are you more drawn to De Niro, Pesci, or Liotta? I think it has to be Pesci, which speaks to his win. But also, I think a lot of his performance relied on improv as did the movie itself and I think you really just marvel in that as a viewer especially with Joe Pesci I love his comedy you know where he takes things his brashness with most of his lines I mean you start the movie out and he's stabbing the guy in the truck to to shut him up and that is like such a crazy opening I think the other two are great too. De Niro is definitely subdued in his performance and Leota does a great job. But I think Joe really like stole the show for me. Which are you drawn to the most? So I would say Pesci. I think that his performance is just completely electric and it's so much fun to watch. But I have to say, this time rewatching, I was so enthralled by Robert De Niro, which is not a hot take by any means. Robert De Niro is always incredible, but, and perhaps it is because he's more subdued in this role, but I don't understand why this isn't higher up in the list of De Niro performances. I think Mm -hmm. he's just astounding in it. He's so powerful and controlling over everybody else in this movie too. And I think that speaks to him as an actor, but also just how profound this role is. I think it's so funny too that Scorsese has him playing an Irishman, Jimmy Conway, and then he's playing Mm -hmm. another Irishman in The Irishman. Mm -hmm. And he's just about the least Irish person ever. (laughs) (laughs) So I really just wonder how this happens for Scorsese and for De Niro. He makes it happen because he just has to include him. It's just how it has to be. (laughs) I mean, I'd rather that, to be honest. (laughs) So in terms of awards, I mentioned that Joe Pesci won, and that was actually the only Oscar he won that year. It was also nominated for five other Oscars, picture director, editing. For my queen, Thelma Schoonmaker, just the best. And then also adapted screenplay and supporting actress for Lorraine Bracco. Oh, my I queen, love so much. <laughs> Dr. Melfi, yeah. <laughs> Pretend you can only keep one Lorraine Bracco, Karen Hill or Dr. Melfi. Who do you keep? I have to pick Dr. Melfi. It's so do I. <laughs> one of the best roles. I mean, again, we're getting ahead. She plays an amazing performance here and very powerful. But opposite James Gandolfini. I, and I do love how Karen's character departs from the traditional mob wife that you do see in movies like The Godfather with Kay or even in The Sopranos with Carmela. She departs from it a little bit, has her own voiceover, has some agency in that way. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, she does still fall into that mob wife stereotype a little bit. But I think that Lorraine Bracco is just perfect in the role, too. Did you watch The Sopranos before Goodfellas? I might have seen them the same year because they were both in different classes. I may have seen Goodfellas slightly earlier. I feel like I consume so much mafia entertainment in like the same period (laughs) i'm pretty sure i saw the godfather before anything okay that's like really the only thing i'm sure of do you have like a certain timeline that you associate with like things you like and what you saw first yeah well so i think the thing about dr melfi was that i always saw her 
kind of as Karen Hill, like a grown-up Karen. Oh, okay. Like, who had kind of just, <laughs> you know, she's in witness protection, she's moved on, has this new life, and is Dr. Melfi, which is totally not the case. But because I saw Goodfellas years before I watched The Sopranos, mm-hmm. she was always Karen to me. So back to Oscars, because we got off track again, talking about Lorraine Bracco. <laughs> so Dances with Wolves beat... Goodfellas for Best Picture, and Kevin Costner beat Scorsese for Director. And reading back about Oscar history at this time, it was kind of a two-horse race between those two movies. There were other movies nominated, of course, but those Mm -hmm. two were the only two that were nominated for both Best Picture and Best Director. This might be an easy question to answer, but why do you think Dances with Wolves won both? I'm surprised it won both, and it swept a lot of categories that night. I think it won seven awards. I still think Scorsese should have won director, for sure. In reading about the 90s and this time in Oscar history, I can see why Dances with Wolves won picture. But as Costner's directorial debut, it's kind of a slap in the face to Scorsese a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Costner was this like new leading man. He had a lot like later in the 90s that came out, but maybe he was this like appeal to the Academy and really just the emotion and genre of Dances with Wolves was much easier and more appealing for the Academy. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a slap in the face to Scorsese. I agree. This was his 16th film, Goodfellas, and for him to still not win best director until the departed is just wild to me i agree with you about kevin costner i think what's interesting is that there was a precedent before of these leading men turned directors who actually all have kind of a similar look winning best director Mm -hmm. for their directorial debuts we had warren Beatty for reds we had robert redford for ordinary people then we get kevin costner for dances with wolves and it's just this very clear thing apparently that the academy liked to do back then i think they've turned away from it now i mean bradley cooper bring him up all the time but didn't get nominated for a star is born and that very much fits right in that box but i also think if we're thinking picture what's interesting is that you know goodfellas is incredibly bloody it had to cut out several scenes to even get an r rating and Mm -hmm. as we know how the academy voters are you know, a lot of them are old. They want something uplifting and cheery and sentimental. And Dances with Wolves checks those boxes compared to Goodfellas. The Oscars are held in California. And Dances with Wolves is a West Coast movie. And this movie feels very New York. Scorsese feels very NYU. So I think the Academy voters were hesitant to give the award to New York. We mentioned, too, that Joe Pesci won Best Supporting Actor, which, honestly, great win. And he had the sixth shortest Oscar speech in history. He said, it's my privilege. Thank you. Joe Pesci, as we know, man of few words. I think more Oscar speeches should be like this. (laughs) Definitely something Merritt Weaver was channeling, too, when she was as surprised at the Emmys when she won. (laughs) Got up there, was like, thank you. I have to go. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And he was presented this award by the iconic pigeon lady, Brenda Fricker, who had won before (laughs) from Home Alone. And he was also in Home Alone. Like, how fitting was it? Love that. First, I have to point out, because I'm me, that Brenda Fricker won for playing Daniel Day-Lewis's mom in My Left Foot. (laughs) So let's get into Goodfellas and what actually is happening in this movie. So... It didn't win Best Picture, but we're going to go through some of our favorite scenes, figure out what we would show if we had nominated it for Best Picture. I think the one scene that is just the most iconic, studied in film classes, talked about the most, is the tracking shot through the Copacabana when Henry is taking Karen out on a date. They're not married yet. And they go from outside the Copacabana, through a back door, through the kitchen, down the stairs straight onto the center of the dance floor in front of the stage. This really long take with possibly my favorite song played during a movie ever. (laughs) And then he kissed me by the crystals, which I had heard first in Adventures in Babysitting. But like to hear it again, it just flips a switch. I love this so much. And just the meaning behind it is really cool, too. 
Yeah, this is my favorite scene in Goodfellas. I think it's it's an easy no-brainer. I remember when I first saw it and just thinking, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. You really feel swept up in it, just like Henry and Karen are, and just all the little details from seeing him put the money in the guy's hand at the very beginning until they're traveling all the way to their table. Scorsese said it's his seduction of her, and it's also the lifestyle seducing him. I love that. I think now we see a lot of filmmakers try to do the one take tracking shot, but no one can do it like Scorsese. Mm -hmm. A little bit of background about this. The filmmakers actually couldn't get permission to go in the short way into the Copacabana. So that's why we have that. So he decides to film and that was his way of symbolizing everything that Henry had ahead of him. You can just tell I love this movie. It's great. There's an earlier tracking shot too. I think in one of the smaller shops and it's also a shorter take, but it kind of leads you into this that we're kind of diving into being enveloped by this mafia lifestyle and family and we're seeing everything that's going on. And later in The Irishman, we have a similar tracking shot, but it's following through the nursing home. Mm-hmm. So to show that glamour is just completely false and nothing more than a facade for the horrors that actually exist in the mafia. So another scene that I love is when Henry beats up the guy across the street from Karen's house. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And it shows just how easily violence comes to Henry. And I love Karen's reaction to it. And this is also when she shares one of my favorite quotes She says, I know there are women like my best friends who would have gotten out of there the minute their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide. But I didn't. I got to admit the truth. It turned me on. (laughs) Which I think is crucial to understanding Karen as a character and how she relates to Henry and how she ultimately gets swept up in this lifestyle as well. I mean, not only does Henry not only use the butt of the gun to bash this guy's head in, (laughs) but he hands it to her. It's a bloody gun. And then... Another iconic shot later on where it's a point of view shot from Henry waking up and it's Karen holding this gun in his face ready to shoot him. And not only does this show the trajectory of Karen becoming involved, but it's this whole dilemma of Karen feeling like an other compared to the other women involved in the families Mm -hmm. and how she gets so swept up from saying initially that, you know, none of this seemed criminal and it doesn't look like you're in construction to shoveling cocaine down the toilet before (laughs) the cops raid their home. So I love that scene too. I love that shot because I think if we compare her to Kay Corleone, for instance, who has the door shut on her at the end of the Godfather as this Mm -hmm. mafia wife with no agency. And here we have Karen who's literally holding the gun as we stare down the barrel right we can look at the gun also as the symbol of power it's the symbol of masculinity some critics and scholars believe it to be a phallic symbol so it's her kind of taking this masculine power and then another just like a fun little side so in that scene when they're fighting the gun actually flew out of henry's hand and it hit the dp in the head michael ballhouse (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) wow And we also get a very similar shot, if you remember, in The Sopranos of Carmela holding the gun at Tony. (laughs) Yeah, he loves to uh, cross over here. I mean, a lot of The Sopranos cast is involved with this, too. Mm -hmm. Another scene I really loved is when it's after they get married and Karen is at her parents' house. And the mom starts yelling, like, where is Henry? Why isn't he back? Why hasn't he called you? And Karen's like, Mom, he doesn't have to call every five minutes. And then Henry shows up at the front door, and it's, like, very, very late. And the mom is yelling at him, and Henry is just so fed up and exhausted. He just turns right around and gets back in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And Tommy just starts rattling off as Joe Pesci would, and they just leave. And Karen yells at her mom. I love this scene so much, just the comedy and everything. It is really good. This one like made me laugh too because I'm just like, how old is Karen supposed to be? <laughs> just like thinking that during this. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what would this be like? 
<laughs> but the comedy really is so great. Not a funny scene, but one of my other favorites is actually Tommy's death when he gets whacked. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first saw this being floored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that the whole like lead up into it. I mean, I think you can think that it's too good to be true potentially, but his journey into becoming a made man, you think it's going to happen for him. He's so excited about it. You also know that Henry and Jimmy can't be made because they're not fully Italian. So this feels like something that should happen in the film, even though you know that Tommy's behavior is preventing that from happening. But when he finally does get whacked, it's just so intense it's so shocking and then when they show jimmy in the phone booth when he finds out it is just a gut punch and just again superb acting from de niro yeah when they explain why he had to die and why it's really retribution for what he did Mm -hmm. i mean it totally makes sense it's just crazy and so unexpecting to like see joe pesci get shot in the back of the head and some of my other favorite scenes are when They go back to Tommy's mom's house, who is Mm -hmm. actually played by Scorsese's mom. They just have a super Italian dinner and they're just all talking together. She shows him the painting that she had made Mm -hmm. with these like dogs facing opposite ways. Those are just like very Italian dinner table scenes that are Mm -hmm. fun and just everyone's talking. And I think that's so important too, because this movie, I think when you do grow up Italian, it exists as this thing almost... It's like piece of lore where even before you see it, you might know the quotes and those staple scenes like that that you get in mafia movies. That's why you know about it, I think. Those little details that make it feel like documentary filmmaking that Scorsese is able to capture that just gives the movie so much life. And then another scene, which is another iconic film class discussion, is the ending, which is sort of the epilogue when Henry is in witness protection and he's living his like normal quote-unquote life and I feel like the shot is also another nod to the Sopranos but Henry's standing in his front door like getting the newspaper and there's a really quick edit to Joe Pesci in this like very old school getup and he's just shooting a gun at the screen which is like a direct shot from the ending of the great train robbery from like the beginning of cinema Mm -hmm. and Scorsese added this because he really saw his film and the great train robbery as showing the quote tradition of outlaws and how through both of the movies this group of people commit a robbery and end up being captured by the police one thing I thought about a lot when I was watching this and I recently rewatched some episodes of The Sopranos too. I thought a lot about, you know, why do people love gangster movies so much? I realized that gangster movies remind me a lot of two other beloved film genres, film noir and westerns. I think mm-hmm. that they tackle similar ideas. They have some truly despicable characters in them that you find yourself rooting for maybe somehow people that you on the surface shouldn't be able to relate to. But I think that the filmmakers in these genres find ways to make these characters more human. And I think that the comparison there to the ending is just perfect because that's exactly what this film does. Of course, Scorsese knows best. (laughs) So of all the scenes that we mentioned, which one would you show for best picture if you were picking the scene? It's hard to pick a scene where they're not dropping tons of f-bombs or killing somebody (laughs) and that have a lot of the actors in them Mm -hmm. i think i would pick the scene where karen's mom goes crazy because it has tommy henry karen the mom which is a good amount of people Mm -hmm. from the movie not everybody but i think it's short enough and captures enough character that they could show it which one would you pick i would pick my favorite and i think the one that works best almost as its own short film, the Copacabana scene. I think it's a major flex by Scorsese. We see all of these fantastic touches that he incorporates as a director. We also completely understand the film just in that one scene. So getting into some quotes. So maybe not best quote, but the most 
iconic quote when you think of Goodfellas is Mm -hmm. as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. We get a freeze frame on Henry and we hear the voiceover. Everything is just so Scorsese. An amazing opening title sequence. You have this red glow on Henry as this is happening. Mm-hmm. We're shocked by what has just happened in the back of the car. And by starting the movie out with this line, you know what you're getting into. I love it. My guy, Saul Bass, back again with opening credits. Just having the credits fly by on the screen. You know you're getting propelled into this world. That opening scene and that opening quote. Man, it's so good. And another line from earlier on in the movie is younger Henry, he's starting to become known by these members in this mafia. And he goes, one day, some of the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's groceries all the way home. You know why? It was out of respect. And he's cementing himself as this person that nobody is going to mess with, even in high school or middle school or whatever, as kids can be ruthless to each other. He is making this name for himself. And then I think the next scene he comes home decked out in this really nice pinstripe suit. And his mom is like, what are you wearing? (laughs) You look like a gangster. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. It's so good. I love the filmmaking techniques that Scorsese uses in the beginning. You know, showing Henry looking out the window through Mm -hmm. the blinds, almost like they're bars in a jail cell. A world that he can't get into. You know, seeing Polly Cicero and talking about how they double park their cars in front of fire hydrants and don't get a ticket and how he wants to be in that world so badly. And I love how he incorporates these freeze frames throughout the film, but especially in the beginning as Henry is growing up, you know, becoming a gangster, highlighting these moments of important lessons for him where you discover how he figures out how to get what he wants and figures out how to use power and violence and how these lessons become an integral part into who he becomes. As this quote ends, as he says it was out of respect, it does freeze frame on him as he's just blown up this parking lot. Mm -hmm. So it is such a momentous occasion and stepping stone for his rise. I love that. Another quote, this is by Jimmy Conway. He says, I'm not mad. I'm proud of you. You took your first pinch like a man and you learned the two greatest things in life. Look at me. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Important life lessons. (laughs) (laughs) One he doesn't take to heart, obviously. No, clearly. But after the scene, this is from the courthouse scene and... Once they leave, everyone is waiting outside to congratulate him and hugs him. And Jimmy pays him, even though he just got out of court. And it's like his initiation into this family. Mm -hmm. It is. And this is one of my favorite scenes, too. And before everything shut down with coronavirus, I actually saw Goodfellas in theaters. They were playing it near my Mm. apartment. So I went to go see it. And so glad that I did, obviously, now. But in this moment... I was so disgusted and just, ugh, I, like, I was so angry just at how these people who break the rules and get away with everything treat other people and how they, you know, lift each other up in such a way. (laughs) But at the same time that this was happening, I was like, wow, like, good for you, (laughs) which is such a horrible thing to say, but it is how Scorsese makes you feel. Henry, as the narrator at many points in the film, you're going through the film through his eyes. So you feel a similar way to how he feels in that moment, despite any contradictory feelings that you might have. And I think that that is a true testament, again, to Scorsese as a director and also to Scorsese as a storyteller. I mean, this quote, which is said around the same time in the movie, is that as we're getting to know Jimmy Conway, Henry goes, Jimmy was the kind of guy who rooted for the bad guys in the movies. And if he is doing this, we're doing this too, because we're rooting for all these people Mm -hmm. who are getting away with crime and we are being egged on and, you know, hoping that they do get away with things. Oh my God. Yeah. And when he says that, I'm like, okay, like whatever Jimmy's doing, whatever Robert De Niro is doing is working on me in this moment. I'm totally rooting for him. (laughs) Another quote that I really love is when Henry tells Tommy that he's funny and he says... I'm funny how? Funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? The line reading is so good. (laughs) So this was one of those improv scenes Mm -hmm. where 
I think Scorsese just told Joe Pesci to run with it. And I'm pretty sure Ray Liotta was aware that they were going to like riff a little bit, but they told nobody else in the scene that this is what was going to happen. <laughs> and you can kind of see in all of like the background actors mm-hmm. faces, what is going on? Like, this is so weird. And then he finally like <laughs> relents in the end, but you kind of are worried because Joe Pesci is so, he's so erratic. aggressive. Yeah. In his role, and even though this is, again, early on, it's, oh my god, what is he going to do? Even though it's early on, it's like you've come to expect in mafia movies that anyone can really die at any moment. And you can be, True. it can completely change. So watching it, you're just kind of thinking, like, oh no, like what <laughs> What are you going to do here? What's going to happen? Yeah. But it's just, again, those those little moments of dark humor and comedy that Pesci just injects into this script and into this film just too good which is kind of a running theme in this movie is that you know i when i watched it i kind of expected henry to get knocked off at some point Mm -hmm. because he doesn't really follow the rule book no in many ways and you know you're waiting and waiting for it to happen and the actual henry hill actually said he was surprised that he made it this far and he hadn't died yet because (laughs) he was Maybe not ready, but like expecting to get knocked off as Tommy is later in the movie, say. So I had a couple of other quotes. They're really quick ones. But when they're looking at the painting of the two dogs, (laughs) I like this one. One dog goes one way. The other dog goes the other way. Just such a funny moment. I also love the entire prison sequence of them cooking. But I love the quote, medium rare, an aristocrat. (laughs) Anytime. someone orders anything medium rare that comes into my head and I have to stop myself from saying it out loud (laughs) I also love when Tommy says make that coffee to go (laughs) after they kill Samuel L. Jackson's character it's just funny I forgot yeah I forgot that he was in it because he's really young in this Mm -hmm. and then also and then there's a character named Jimmy two times this is nickname when they're describing all the nicknames that the different guys have and it's because he says everything twice and he says I'm gonna go get the papers get the papers (laughs) just another iconic quote there are so many good ones so then going on to casting because we had a lot of replacements and people who turned down roles to play roles in other movies. The most iconic and biggest one was that Al Pacino was offered the role of Jimmy, but he turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast. He was just in The Godfather, and lo and behold, he goes and plays this comic strip gangster and Dick Tracy instead that came out the same year. And he goes and does Scarface. It's just Al Pacino will never get away from gangster characters, and... He himself, I feel like, in real life became a gangster character. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if he regrets not taking this role because it does really fit in with everything else he's done. I mean, okay. Do you like the version with, let's say, Pacino as Jimmy and De Niro as Tommy? Because De Niro was offered Jimmy and Tommy and chose Jimmy. I think De Niro could pull off playing Tommy, but... I don't know. I mean, Al Pacino also kind of has this similar performance as Jimmy Hoffa in The Irishman, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not too far off. It's almost like he made it up in the end. Yeah, he did. And we got all three of them together. I guess, like, as much as I love Pacino, I think I can't imagine this movie without Pesci. It's just, it's a weird right. thing to try right. to figure out. Another one, so Ray Liotta actually turned down playing Harvey Dent in Batman to make Goodfellas. Great decision. And then I'm really not sure I could have envisioned this couple as Henry and Karen, but apparently Tom Cruise and Madonna were also almost off of these parts as well, which is one, (laughs) a crazy matchup, but two, so not Madonna's typical role. So (laughs) weirdly enough, I can see Madonna in the part. I love the idea, you know, the scene of her holding the gun, the scene of her getting Mm -hmm. stood up, the scene of her going to Henry's, like, mistress girlfriend's apartment and buzzing on the (laughs) the buzzer the whole time. (laughs) I can so see Madonna doing any of those scenes. But Madonna and Tom Cruise together, the chaotic energy that that is. I mean, it would be like the entire coked out ending, the whole entire movie. (laughs) And all I can really think of is Eyes Wide Shut. And oh my God. just... Tom Cruise is a great actor. I 
will pretty much see anything that he's in. I know he's had some horrible ones like that mummy remake, but we're thinking like old Tom Cruise, like color of money, Tom Cruise born on the 4th of July, Jerry Maguire. I mean, he really was a great actor, but the combination of the two of them is just, it's, it's too much. It is. Yeah. Another one. So John Malkovich was considered for the role of Jimmy Conway, but turned it down. And then Sean Penn was also considered for the role of Henry Hill. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, both of those to me just wouldn't work. Yeah. Another one. So Paul Sorvino, who plays Polly Cicero, Mm -hmm. he almost dropped out of filming three days before shooting started, which is crazy. And it was because he felt like he didn't have the like cold persona that the character had. He didn't know if he could get there. So... He called his agent. His agent told him to, you know, think about it. You know, what does that even mean with three days to go? But <laughs> he, I guess, apparently looked in the mirror that night and was just horrified by this person that he saw. And he realized that he'd achieved <laughs> the look that he needed for the character and stayed in. Like, what? Wild. <laughs> so generally, how do you feel about the casting in the movie? Do you think that our main characters work? Would you have put anyone else in this? If anything, I would change Ray Liotta, Mm -hmm. but I would have to think about who to replace him with because everyone else fits so perfectly. And it's not that he doesn't. Maybe it's because he didn't really have a career like everyone else did in the movie that were just so A-listers. Would you replace anybody? This is kind of crazy, but I think Tom Cruise might have actually worked better than Ray Liotta. (laughs) (laughs) Only because, so it's not that, I think Ray Liotta is good in this movie, but he looks old. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute with another, but Mm -hmm. I feel like Tom Cruise has like that kind of energy that the character needs. And he also would have been at the time in his late twenties, Ray Liotta at the time was 36. So there is one scene when he says, when we find out he's 21 at the time. And I just remember thinking he's 21. Like really? It's a stretch. (laughs) So I think that Scorsese has this issue with aging in his movies. We've talked about it with the Irishman, (laughs) but like also Joe Pesci is 47 and he looks 47. He's supposed to be in his twenties. And I, I love, I think it works only because the performances are so good. And Scorsese knows how to get these performances out of his actors, Mm -hmm. but it is interesting to think about it with possibly a younger cast in some of those parts. Maybe a younger cast would have made it seem like less of a real story. Like almost that, like, how can you believe that these young people are accomplishing all of these things? I mean, it is the history, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that actually works. But I guess if everyone were younger, I might have discounted things a little more or thought of them differently. That's interesting. And I think like the opposite of that is with, Pesci with Tommy it's like you're 47 why are you acting like this when I see (laughs) someone who looks that old I think like okay you've lasted a long time in this cutthroat Mm -hmm. business you've made it far and but this film works for a lot of reasons and Joe Pesci is one of them but he's also acting like a 20 something year old which is who he's supposed to be playing so maybe again it's just more to joe pesci's acting abilities there we go that's how that we're gonna just settle it there that it is just because joe pesci is brilliant so now we have a bunch of fun facts which the things i read about this movie are crazy there were so many good things so exciting yeah After Joe Pesci's mom saw the movie, she told him it was good, but she also asked him if he had to curse so much. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just so typical Italian mom. Yeah. I mean, again, there were over 300 F-bombs in this movie, which was insane for the time, too. And even wilder, Scorsese broke that record again with The Wolf of Wall Street. So the prop master Robert Griffin actually supplied $5,000 of his own cash because De Niro didn't want, quote, fake feeling bills. (laughs) So during the casino scene, when De Niro throws the money around, Griffin would yell, everybody freeze after each take so he could collect all of his money and make sure it was still there. Oh my God. (laughs) That's so great. And De Niro too, I read, he... He was so, you know, so specific and anal about these details. And 
every single one of his costumes, he had a matching watch and pinky ring that would Mm -hmm. go with it. So particular. I like that, yeah. I love it. So a fun fact about Tony Sirico, who plays Polly Goltieri on The Sopranos, one of the best comedic characters (laughs) on that show, too. (laughs) So Marty hired actual people from the mob as like extras and background actors in this movie. And Tony was actually a wise guy himself. At the time, he had a longer crime resume than an acting resume. When the movie was released in 1990, he had 28 arrests and only 27 acting credits. Oh my God. (laughs) Which is, I would never have known. That is insane. That's, oh, and especially too, just like thinking about him as Polly on The Sopranos. Right. <laughs> it makes so much sense. He had all this like real life experience and the fact that he was still an, a Hollywood actor after all of that, mind boggling. Well, and I, I read too about how Scorsese employed these real life gangsters. A lot mm-hmm. of them supplied fake social security numbers. And to this oh day, gosh. no one knows how they got paid. Oh my gosh. So spooky. I know. (laughs) Marty, what are you doing? (laughs) So another one that I really like, the Maury's Wigs commercial (laughs) was actually the first scene that was filmed in the movie. Mm -hmm. And Marty was inspired by this commercial that ran in New York that was this window replacement company commercial. So he reached out to the company and... He found that this spokesperson in the ad was this guy named Stephen R. Packa. He owned the company and created the ad himself. So Scorsese actually hired this guy to write, direct, and edit the commercial for (laughs) Maury's wigs that was then put in the movie. So technically, if we're thinking about it that way, the first scene shot for the movie wasn't even directed by Marty. Well, it is a bizarre little commercial that they show. It's so funny. (laughs) Going along with my Sopranos comments, Michael Imperioli, who plays Christopher Moltisanti in The Sopranos, is in this movie in two short scenes as Spider. In the scenes that he's in, he's shot at a bunch. And when he was actually falling backwards, he cut his fingers on broken glass and had to go to the emergency room. Meanwhile, he's covered in all of this fake blood from shooting and... Like the doctors or nurses at the hospital were like so scared because they thought he was like very brutally wounded. And he was like, no, 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 I'm fine. It's my finger. And that's it. (laughs) That's so good. Speaking of Christopher, who I really adore in The Sopranos, just we love (laughs) Michael Imperioli. So you mentioned he plays Spider and in one of his scenes, Tommy shoots him in the foot. And Mm -hmm. as an ode to that scene, In Goodfellas, David Chase has Christopher, Michael Imperioli, shoot a guy in the foot. So it's kind of like Spider getting his revenge a little bit, which I just, Mm -hmm. I love when mob movies or shows, especially The Sopranos, tip their hat to Goodfellas, The Godfather. And this one is just such a short scene, but I think it's a really cool little detail. Yeah, I love that. So the screenwriter with Scorsese, Nick Pileggi, he talked to Henry Hill throughout the writing process and a lot of the voiceovers that we hear are direct quotes from Henry Hill. And I read that Scorsese had Henry Hill on speed dial on his phone and he would call him like eight times a day to make sure that everything he did from walking and things that happen and things he says are like very true to life Henry Hill. Yeah it's it's a strange thing I think when you think about like involving real life criminals or gangsters in the production and in the creation of your film so another thing about the screenwriter and the author of wise guys the source material nick pledgy his mom actually painted the painting of the dogs that we see in that dinner scene with oh wow tommy's mom so this is a tragic fun fact but ray Liotta's mom actually died during filming so he flew home for a few days they had her funeral and then He came back after only a few days and he kind of, in his grief, lost himself in this part of Henry Hill after her passing. Oh, that's so sad. Ray Liotta does do a good job. I feel badly for, you know, saying that we should maybe recast him. But Erwin Winkler, (laughs) producer, 
disagreed with Marty, thought that Ray Liotta was a bad choice for Henry Hill, and Liotta decided to approach him, and they talked, and then right after that, Winkler mm-hmm. called Scorsese and was like, you're good to go. I don't know what he mm-hmm. said to convince him, but it worked. What I saw that also convinced Scorsese to involve Ray Liotta was that he had seen him in Something Wild, and then... Field of Dreams, which came out the year before Goodfellas was released, but also that just around his security team. And there was like one instance where Ray Liotta came up to Marty and like tapped him and his security guards were like super aggressive, like said, don't do that. You know, what are you doing? And he was like, I just want to talk to Marty. And he thought he was like, so cool, calm and collected Mm -hmm. with what had happened that he was like, okay, he can handle this. Oh, I love that. I love stories like that when you find out that the (laughs) actors are like the characters and that's what convinces the director. (laughs) A couple of fun other ones. You mentioned the music and you really love the song during the Copacabana Mm -hmm. scene. Goodfellas has some great needle drops. At the end of the movie, we hear a version of My Way by the Sex Pistols. Scorsese Mm -hmm. wanted the Frank Sinatra version, but Sinatra wouldn't let him acquire the rights to his version of the song so we had to go with a different one. Oh wow drama but i like the like punk end to it i think it's very uh-huh, high energy right. and yeah the sinatra my way is a little more old school italian i have to say that song's also ruined for me because it was trump and melania's first dance song at the inaugural ball oh my God. <laughs> speaking of gangsters i did not know that and i'm sorry Scorsese was so particular about this album of songs that he used, and there were just so many. He had like compiled them years in advance. He just knew what he wanted. But he also abided by some very particular rules because he really wanted them to comment on the scenes or characters, mm-hmm. what was happening at the moment. And they had to be chronologically appropriate to the time the scenes were set in, which is really, really cool. I love, I love that, that when... And even though he had to pay a lot of money for these licenses just to play like even little bits of songs, mm-hmm. he was willing to do that and could do that to include like his perfect soundtrack. I love that fact so much. And I love too just how particular Scorsese is. And during the famous Layla montage, Scorsese mm-hmm. actually plays the piano himself during it because he wanted certain bars to match up with certain shots oh my gosh i love that it gives me chills (laughs) and then another big like movie crossover song is bad to the bone iconic scene from parent trap oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't think this really works but when movies play christmas songs i immediately classify them as christmas movies just so i can like watch them around the holidays Mm mm-hmm And he plays Christmas Baby, Please Come Home at one point, which also reminds me of Nomadland because there was a lot of Christmas music in there. And I'm like, oh, great. I can't wait to watch this in December again. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, how do you feel about Nomadland and being able to make it a holiday movie? I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So wonderful. Another fun fact that ties in nicely to The Sopranos During one of the last scenes, we see Henry, so this is when he's in witness protection, he opens his front door and picks up a newspaper. So if you look closely at the newspaper, it's called the Youngstown Vindicator. And Martin Mm -hmm. Scorsese included it as this homage to Youngstown, Ohio, as we're both Ohio people, I had to include this, which is also called Mobtown, USA. Did you know this? What? No. <laughs> like Youngstown? I know there oh are a lot gosh. of Italians in Youngstown, but I didn't know it was called Mobtown, USA. Speaking of the newspaper scene, this is directly tied into the pilot of The Sopranos, where we see Tony going to pick up the paper, and he says, I came in at the end comes in, picks up right Mm -hmm. where Goodfellas left off. And it's just that perfect start to the series. So I love that tie-in too. That's cool. Lots of facts. It adds depth to the movie, which I really love. And I like thinking about like what happened on set during filming and how a lot of these things just came to life. It provides so much color to Scorsese's process and how he worked with Thelma Schoonmaker and all these actors and his DP and you know we've never known a life without Goodfellas really and Mm -hmm. have always seen it as this complete 
thing and this maybe perfect thing, but thinking about all of the things that went wrong or that almost yeah. happened or didn't happen. It's a really fun thing to do, I think, when you're celebrating an anniversary of something that been around for so long. And I think all of that just speaks to that it will be around for another 30, 60 years to come. And it's a part of Hollywood history itself. So how does it compare to Scorsese's other films for you? Is it your favorite? I think it's safe to say top tier. Right. I'll say that I haven't seen most of Scorsese's films. I like still really wanted to see Silence when oh that God. came out because of the cinematography that was lauded for that. What? I just can't <laughs> wait for you to watch Silence. Oh, I'm sure I'm going to fall asleep. Like, it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely Wolf of Wall Street is up there and maybe like number one and two for me with Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. It's just so rewatchable and fun. And it's really the shortest three hours that I maybe have ever experienced in a movie theater. I know he has so many classics that I have seen, but like maybe once a long time ago. So it's hard to speak of all that he's done. I know we talked about The Age of Innocence recently, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of his more recent, like long, long films are hard to watch too you can get through them and they're enjoyable it's good cinema but like the aviator and gangs of new york just kind of like lose me a little bit so these two are like very very high for me maybe we'll get to a ranking eventually might take some time (laughs) (laughs) how does this stack up for you with all of his films first we might have to do another movie trade with just scorsese i feel like that would be really fun Mm-hmm. I think that technically speaking, Raging Bull, I think is the most impressive. And typically, I think what I would say is my number one Scorsese. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Goodfellas and The Wolf of Wall Street are my most rewatchable. They fly by. I think that they're so much fun. They have great performances, so many great details. And again, just despicable humans to follow during them. But I would say if Goodfellas isn't one, it's two for me. Which is high praise for a Scorsese movie. Yeah. Wow. I like that idea of a Scorsese trade. And there are so many of his on my list that I like really do want to watch. Needs Maybe to I'll give you silence. We'll see. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so next time on Oscar Wilde, we're going to talk about some movies we really like. I'll go into the backstory into this next time. But it has to deal with Letterboxd and movies that are in our watch lists. So we're each going to be picking two movies that we both consider are like deal breaker movies where you have to like them in order to want to date us because they're just so iconic, so memorable, important, and so defining for film for each of us. I'm so excited for this. We are maybe playing with fire, but it's okay. I'm excited to, you know, share movies that really I feel like are really important to me and would give someone a good understanding of who I am and what kind of movies I watch. It's going to be hard to do that in two movies to like encapsulate who we are as people. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. So thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Yeah. Thanks everyone for joining. We hope that you enjoyed our episode on Goodfellas. Stay safe. Wear your masks.